All right, welcome to the program, today's program of Pace the Nation. Thank you so much for being here. An exciting program to get to. My name is Chris Farley of the Pace the Nation podcast. We are a weekly podcast in Washington, D.C. We are broadcasting live here from Atlanta, downtown Atlanta, where the Olympic trials will be held for the marathon. We'll be selecting the Olympic team tomorrow. Well, we won't be. I, but, I, I'm going to. But <laughs> the, the Olympic so. team will be selected tomorrow. We're really excited to be here. I want to thank our partner, Brooks Running, for having us today. My podcast co-host to my left is Julie Cully. She's my wife, Julie Cully. That's Hello. me. Thank you. So happy. So happy to be here. So happy to be your wife. Thank you. Yes. And I'm also the first one to your left. Yes, first one to my left. And then to my other left here, it's William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm happy that uh, Brooks is hosting us, but I'm also a little bit nervous about being at the Olympic trials with Brooks. <laughs> I told him not to do that joke. I told <laughs> It's a thing with Jesse Williams and Jim and Rick. If you don't uh, know the story, know the find story. Rick later and ask him about yeah, the Olympic it, trials. It's, it's, it's a funny joke if you knew what. <laughs> so you'll get, get a little sense of our show. Um, it, he's, he's the funny guy. Somebody told me today he's the funny guy, and I'm, I'm less funny. But that was <laughs> funny. That was funny. But uh, you have to listen to the Jesse Williams program. Uh, Pace the Nation, who we are. Uh, we are a, a podcast in Washington, D.C. We've uh, been doing it for about five years. Uh, we tell stories of runners. We're not going to tell you what the splits are that they run or how fast or how far. We're going to tell the stories, the behind-the-scenes stories of the runners, and that's what we're hoping to do here today. Uh, we've got a super exciting uh, list of guests that we'll get to in a moment, but just a little bit about myself. I uh, have six running stores in Washington, D.C. Brooks is our number one partner. Uh, and, and my wife, Julie, she is the director of Georgetown uh, at track field across country and also a 2012 Olympian in the 5,000 meters. So uh, she's got the street cred that maybe Docs and I don't have. <laughs> um, William E. Docs, uh, he and I are 25-year friends. Um, you know, I can't possibly be that long. We we ran uh, in college together. I remember coming to ACCs in Atlanta 25 years ago. It was our first trip to ACCs, and here we are, full circle. End of the line. And <laughs> this End is of the line. Yeah. Probably, probably <laughs> it for us. This is it for you guys. Yeah. So Docs is the engineer slash editor of the show. He's the glue that holds the show together. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah. And this show today is going to be a bit different than our normal format. Normally, mm -hmm. we like do an introduction, talk about something that went on in our life. We have one guest. Today, we have, what, five guests? We do. Um, but yesterday, when we checked in, uh, Farley and I checked in, and we got on the elevator, and I thought, this is going to be our introduction story. And we're you know, talking, chit-chat with this family, and when we get off the elevator, this family wishes us good luck at the race on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous, the state of the sport, if anybody thinks that us clowns could be running running in the race on Saturday. Right. But then, last night, Farley had to up the story. I did. He has a much better elevator I story. I upped the story. So we can't even tell that story now. So I was here last night, and we had some inspiring, I mean, they set the bar high, uh, inspiring speakers. They were so riveting that I didn't want to get up and go pee. So I waited to go back to the hotel, and I jumped on the elevator to go upstairs to go pee in my room, and the elevator gets stuck. So I'm waiting there on the elevator for 30 minutes like this, 
with five other people who I didn't know. Um, we didn't really even talk to each other. That's the state of where we are, too. We didn't really even talk to each other throughout that f 30 minutes, but we got to about floor three and a half, and um, we had to actually, they, they had an elevator engineer. I didn't even know that hotels had them, but uh, they had them pry open the doors, and we had to use, it was, it, it, we had to use some fitness to actually jump down and get to floor three, and I used the stairs uh, to get back the rest of the way up and the rest of the weekend and the rest of the weekend yeah that, that was perfect timing for us uh back home too i just arrived today and so yep. we facetimed you uh me and our two sons facetimed you as you were holding your legs awkwardly yes. and the boys wanted to know what daddy was doing in yeah. the elevator for so long yeah Yep, so it wasn't a great start but it's going to be a great uh podcast podcast today we've got five exciting guests to get to um We've got a, 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 an individual who's running in the race tomorrow. We've got an individual who ran for Brooks at the highest level at the Olympics in 2008. Uh, we've got an individual who helped put this entire thing together. Uh, we've got an individual who is an ambassador and a coach for Brooks for uh, many people in the Florida area. And then to finish the show, we've got the CEO of Brooks. I don't know what he was thinking, but he's going to join us as well, Jim Weber. So a super exciting show to get to. And I know our athlete has got a uh, meeting to get to. So let's bring him up next. It's uh, Adam Dalton. He's going to join us next here on Pace the Nation. Adam, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for oh. – on? On? Oh, there yep, we are. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, Adam, uh, thrilled to have you on. How are you feeling? Like you're running tomorrow and, you know, this is you're actually this is your second marathon. You're running tomorrow. How are you feeling? This still doesn't feel real. I feel like I'm in a weird dream that I'm going to wake up from pretty soon. But uh, it's it's starting to feel more real by the moment. But it's the most surreal feeling and I can't truly describe it. And so you run for Brooks. What, what, how would you classify yourself? Are you a Brooks, uh, Brooks-sponsored athlete, an ambassador? Uh, sponsored athlete, but um, I'm sponsored through the trials. So, gotcha. uh, yes, uh, it's part of the Hometown Heroes campaign. There's uh, upwards of 60 runners they're sponsoring as part of that. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. so, so Adam's got a unique story that was told in, in Runner's World. And I want you to kind of help us tell this story the way you want to tell the story. So, Adam... Um, was a runner in high school from Iowa, if I'm getting this, this correct. Um, you were a good runner in high school, but not a great runner. You ran in college, um, but your story is not all about running. Uh, your story is about who you are and who you are as, as a person and you coming out uh, your senior year in, in high school or college, was uh, it? It was actually freshman year Fresh, of college. Freshman, freshman year of college. college. So tell us about that experience. I mean, I guess that for the longest time, I mean, I'm from a small town in Iowa. Um, I went to a small Catholic school. Um, mm -hmm. There was about 40 people in my class. So it was a pretty much a small dysfunctional family, if I could describe it as that. Um, you went K through 12 with the same 40 people. Um, and uh, I mean, from a pretty young age, I, I knew that I was a little bit different. And, um, you know, growing up in that environment, it's not something that you can really do. Um, it's especially then wasn't accepted at all. So um, I actually knew that I went to college. I was looking for somewhere to go that was academically rigorous, but uh, where I could also still run. So I ended up attending Grinnell College for all of you who may have heard of it. If no one has, it's fine because it's very small. Um, but uh, throughout the first year, um, uh, I gradually came out to my team and it really helped 
improve my running because before, when I was using running, it was basically to prove everyone that, oh, I am this tough manly guy who can beat everyone at sports and I'm really good, even though I'm, you know, the skinniest dude ever. But still, <laughs> um, I think it was still something that I, that I was using for validation and trying to really get something that I could never get from running, which was ultimately self-acceptance. And I was trying to fill my life with accolades and approval, but ultimately that was meaningless. So did you feel like more, since, since you had some success with running, did you feel more empowered to come out? Was that a big part of it? I think def definitely so. And I think also, too, just going to college, I mean, about 40% of my team my first year wasn't straight. So mm -hmm. Grinnell's a very unique environment in that way. Um, so I saw all these other guys and how completely accepted they were and thought, you know, I'm probably living in the most liberal environment I will for in my entire life. If I can't now, when can I? So... And how do you feel about so like a company like Brooks um, super accepting of the LGBT community? I think it's great. I mean, as we saw yesterday, we had the women in running panel here. Um, we've seen Brooks really take kind of a forefront uh, big step on that. We've seen them take big steps with the LGBT community. We've seen them also take steps, honestly, with just beginning runners. I mean, not just going after the young and fast. So I think of Brooks as really a big umbrella. And that's one of the things that drew me to them as a company. Not, you know, just going for the flashy marketing and trying to be you know, gearing to that top 0.1% of runners, but to truly, you know, show that running really is for everyone because, I mean, I, for the majority of my life, haven't been a fast runner. So <laughs> I, I get that, and I, I really appreciate their efforts to do that. Well, you've become a fast runner. Um, let's talk about your marathon that got you here, uh, your first marathon. I mean, the dude is running his second marathon tomorrow. Uh, your first marathon in was grandma's um, and tell us about that experience oh that was a bizarre experience so um i was going in grad school i'd ran a couple of half marathons my half marathon pr was like 111.30. so my expectations were to run maybe 225 to 230 somewhere in that range um i was not in the elite field at all i just kind of walked up to the start line wearing my old college uniform wasn't wearing a watch gun went off and uh, i hit half in 108 and i was like oh dear god this is a three minute half marathon PR, and there's two ways this is gonna go. I'm going to either aggressively blow up or have the defining light race of my entire life. And it happened to surprisingly be the second one because I thought for sure, it, like at any time, the, the wheels were just gonna totally come off. And I mean, even in the second half of the race, things were pretty dicey. I stopped to use the bathroom. Um, I lost control of my motor skills and I spilled goo all over my hand. I was like trying to like deep throat my hand as I was like passing people. I like saw one of my teammates trip in DNF. Like there was a lot happening and I didn't, since I wasn't wearing a watch, I had no idea what my time was until about mile 25. So I had no idea that I was anywhere even close to the standard until I did the mental math in my head and thought, oh my God, I only have to run 530 pace for this last 1.2 mile. And that's slower than my race so far, so <laughs> don't mess up. This is a fairly haphazard way to approach yes. a marathon, too, I would yeah. say, right? Like, you uh, stumbled stumbled into qualifying, which is pretty impressive. What went through your head, like, I've, I've never heard of a marathoner. Like, we all think of ourselves as kind of type A runners. Like, how did you even get to the starting line without a watch? Well, like, I actually don't, um, a lot of times I don't even run with a watch. Um, I just run based off feel, um, or I'll map out a distance in advance and just run how my body feels. I'm a very type A person. Like, I'm pretty motivated. I work a professional job 40 hours a week, but I'm also, like, 
definitely one of the most laid back people you ever meet. So I'm like definitely a type A meets type B. Sometimes that can lead to chaos, but uh, <laughs> as in during the race. But uh, I think it's it definitely is something that I have to my advantage because I never get too much in my head. I never get too freaked out. And I think that it's some it's allowed me to step back and just enjoy the heck out of this experience. Yeah. So tell us, did you go into the race with any idea, any sense that you could possibly qualify? <laughs> no. Like, was that anywhere no. in your sights? I literally, oh, so funny story. So I bet Nick Arseniaga, um, he was my running mentor at the time, living in Salt Lake. Uh, I bet him that if I qualified, because I thought I had no chance in the world, that he would have to drink two bottles of wine in one night. <laughs> and you know what happened? Nick doesn't drink. So oh, wow. I qualified and I held him to that. And that man drank two bottles of wine in one night because I made the trials because he only took that bet because there was a point zero 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 chance that was going to happen. That's incredible. So you just last story on your, your grandma's marathon. I want to talk a little bit about tomorrow, but uh, you finished the race surprised and excited and tell us what you did first. So I guess my first reaction is, you know, to harken back to my days in a small town in Iowa. So I just got really manly and jacked up and, like, yelled really loud. I was like, ugh! But then after <laughs> I did that, I, like, grabbed all these water bottles and just started football-style, like, <laughs> like, touchdown spiking them into the ground and exploding them. And the race director was pissed. He was very unhappy. Um, but the thing is, though, once I told him that I qualified, he actually handed me a couple and was like, oh, congrats, son. So he, he, he backed off once he realized what had, uh, what had gone down. Wow. All right. So tomorrow, you're, you're, you know, you're one of 250, less than 250, which is incredible, but you're sort of towards the tail end of the qualifiers. Oh, yeah. I'm like 234th out of 242. So, I mean, it's an easy number to remember. So, like, 234, you're just counting. But uh, it's... Uh, that must be good luck. I think so. I guess. You know, can't say it's bad luck, but... But now, so what is your goal then going into tomorrow? I mean, I think my goal is uh, just run a really smart race. I think there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be gunning out to start. Um, I know that I'm, you know, not going to be one of those top 20 guys in the first half. So uh, I'm definitely a guy who gets better as the race goes on. I don't have crazy foot speed. So I'm going to try and keep it controlled, run a smart first half, and then uh, just pick guys off as they start to um, uh, die who went out too fast in the second half. I think my top goal I mean, would be maybe top 100 since I'm seated 234th. That would be significantly outperforming my expectations. But, you know, honestly, if I get DFL, I wouldn't be happy about it. But uh, it's, uh, it still is way further than I had ever envisioned myself ever making it. So it's, you know, it's, it's just I'm here to enjoy and run, run the best race I can. All right. So, Adam, um, a little bit more about Adam before we got to let him go because he's got to get to a, a, a actual meeting for his race tomorrow. So... You also are a talented guitar player. You're in a band, a punk band. Tell us a little bit about that. I don't know if I'd say talented, but uh, <laughs> it's punk music. But uh, anyway, so yeah, aside from running uh, full-time, I work full-time at an environmental nonprofit, and I'm also in a punk band. So um, I always feel like in my life I need to be uh, athletically challenged, artistically challenged, and intellectually challenged to grow as a person. So my uh, artistic outlet is punk rock, actually, so I just love to just smash some really hard punk songs, you know, after going on a workout. Um, it's a great way to l relieve stress. I've even written some songs like Wow on my long runs. I've written a riff and then thought about lyrics to them. Um, so it's actually more overlapping than you'd think, although none of my songs are really about running, so. 
Uh, lastly, uh, in the article that we read or that really recapped um, your whole story kind of leading into this, um, one of the things that you said was that you wanted to be on the starting line tomorrow feeling uh, super fresh and hella bright. Yes. Um, can you explain what that means? Yeah, so this actually got a lot of flack on Let's Run, um, so I can explain this. <laughs> uh, so basically what happened is that, uh, basically by meaning that, I want my legs to feel really fresh, which they do, because um, I've tapered pretty well, um, and I'm totally healthy, but I want to look really bright. So my personal style, I mean, I live in the Sonoran Desert in Tucson, so I wear just, woo, yeah, Tucson. Yeah, buddy. But uh, um, I always wear basically Hawaiian shirts, um, jorts, cutoff jeans, like uh, ridiculous t-shirts. So I always, my sense of style is pretty ridiculous, uh, and I wear just super bright colors all the time. So, um, you know, I want to show up on the line with fresh legs and, you know, wearing just a ridiculous looking outfit and enjoying the heck out of the time and um, being there to compete, so. All right, Adam, best of luck. So everybody's got somebody else to follow tomorrow. Adam Dalton. Adam Dalton and, and, and who is Steve, wherever Steve is, we were talking, you got to re-sign this guy. You got to, whatever it takes, I know his contract's up tomorrow, you got to re-sign this guy. Adam Dalton, he's running the Olympic trials tomorrow. He joined us on Pace the Nation. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Thank right, you. There he goes. All right, that's a great start to our program. Um, next up, we want to bring up Steve DeCoker. Uh, he is from Brooks. Um, he's, um, and you just said what your title was, and I, I forgot. I'm sports marketing sports, manager. Sp sports marketing manager. And he's Usually it's tall, skinny guy who runs a lot. Tall, skinny guy who runs Is that in your like tagline of your email? It actually was it at was. one point. Yeah, yeah, also purveyor, split shorts. I think right now it's OG Pacer. Okay, yeah. all right. That kind of gets, for, for those of you guys who don't know, Brooks, well, that kind of gives you a look into sort of the vibe and the culture of, of, of Brooks. Uh, so Steve is a big part of, of helping put this entire uh, Hyperion house together. Congratulations, man. This is an amazing, amazing experience. So uh, just a little bit about you before we get to uh, what you've done here at the Hyperion house. Um, how long have you been with Brooks? Uh Going on 16 years. Going on 16 years. Yeah. And you are working in marketing, and that means a whole lot of different things. But what do you work on on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so I lead up the sports marketing team. So that's the athletes. Uh, it's uh, things like the PR invite, uh, which is the high school meet we put on. Uh, and uh, my group also manages our cause marketing program, which is called the Booster Club, which mm -hmm. is a give-back program for um, – high schools that are challenged with gear and funds and things like that. So we, I think we have a little bit broader scope than a lot of sports marketing teams, but it's, um, that's been really leadership. I give them a lot of credit for really empowering us to make decisions, you know, that we feel like are the best for the brand. And so we've had a lot of creative expression and liberty there. And so it's been a really cool journey. Well, this, uh, this, for those who are, who are listening to the show, uh, and, and can't visualize it, we are, in Atlanta, uh, pretty close to the course, as we sit here at the Hyperion House. How close are we to the actual course? We're two blocks. Two yeah. blocks away from the course. The, the course loops around Atlanta three times, and so we'll be able to see the runners uh, like Adam a number of times. Um, how long did it take for you and the team to put this thing together? I mean, this looks like an amazing, an amazing amount of work. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been close to a year in, in the making. We actually reserved this place a year ago. Um, we scouted it out. You know, we knew, we know, 
we knew we were going to have a presence here. We know we're going to have a presence uh, for the next Olympic trials and the one after that. Um, the sport is a huge deal for us and our brand. Um, so we came out and scouted this location, um, had some contacts, found this spot, um, just fell in love with it. Uh, you know, Jim was telling me the other night how Seattle this feels to us. It just yeah. feels like our brand, you know, and um, so love the space, thought we could have some creative expression here. Um, yeah, and so you reserved it and then really got to work creating a huge cross-functional team and a lot of people have put a lot of time and energy into this. Uh, and so it's just fun to see it executing. Yeah, and we'll, we'll tweet out pictures at Pace the Nation to show you some of the, for those again who are listening at home, I mean, it's just an amazing amount of work. Tell me about the team who puts this together. You're not the only one who's doing this, right? No, I, I mean, I guess I'm project manager for this. Um, but we the whole uh, retail team is here. We're working with a retail partner in town, West Stride. And so they're selling the new shoes we have. Uh, Ian Schreckengas, give him a shout out. He's kind of leading the charge on that under Ed Riegert. Um, and the, the PR team has been here. We've been done a, a lot of media engagement. So Carly Rebecci has been doing a lot there for that. Um, and then our, really our you're talking about our e-com team is engaged here. Our digital marketing team is engaged here. The whole sports marketing team um, and just a, a whole myriad. The events team is, is here executing. Um, and, you know, we have half our executive team here. I mean, this is and then in addition to you guys being here as a part of our retail symposium. So really the whole the entire sales group is here as well. Um, so this is a this is kind of a big Brooks party in a way. A lot of a lot of important people here and a lot of people that you know, I feel like one thing we do well, Brooks, is we put a lot of emotional energy into these sort of events, and it's, it's, there's a lot of pride that comes with this, and so it just it feels like a family event. It feels like a family reunion, and we're all going to, you know, hopefully we have an Olympian tomorrow, and we can celebrate that, and so um, it's really... Just one. Come on. Multiple. Yeah, yeah, I told yeah, people yeah. at work, this is officially on the record, I said I'd wear a singlet for a, a year straight if we had three Olympians, because people, you know, they throw there that out go. there, and I'm all like, right. I... Want to We're gonna hold you to that. You're rec you're, we are so. recording, right? We we got that on we'll, record. We'll yeah. send him a Pace the Nation uh, singlet, singlet. Yeah. that he can yeah. wear every day. Yeah, I will do that. You can mark uh, that. Yeah, you, you you just talked about the athletes. Tell us about you got. I, I saw the pictures downstairs in the athlete room. Seventy plus athletes here who are competing. Talk about some of those athletes. Yeah. So Adam was. So we you know we've actually done some video with Adam. People can see on our website. He's got his own unique video, which is really cool. We went down to Tucson, but um, you know we have the Hansons. They spoke this morning we have 10 athletes from the Hansons there are our professional investment there um, you know and you've got Dathan Ritzenheim running with them who's got a really good chance Shadrach Biwat um, several other really good athletes obviously we have Dez she's a big deal um, uh, we have Ryan Vale who's part of the beast now but then you know we want to make a splash we want to come to the trials this is our sport if people don't know this yet Brooks is all running that's all we do you know we're not we're not any other verticals it's just running and so this is a big moment a big time for us for sport and we all know how big a deal this olympic trials is um i love the fact that there's 800 runners out there tomorrow it's just good for the sport um so we want to be a part of that and so we, we also i also know there's a lot of people that are unsponsored that are coming here on their own dime and so we created this hometown heroes program and um you know we paid them uh, some travel money and they get they got a, all their equipment and um you know we we did. Some, we have some other perks for them, and the uniforms, and the new shoes, and all that. And so it was really, it was really at the heart of it, an investment back in the sport, and just our kind of our stamp that hey, this is who we are at the at the core. And you know, Jim will talk more about that. But that's um, so. It's really it was our chance to kind of just invest in the sport, and it's just been fun. The community uh, meeting these new people, yeah. like Adam, 
um, and you know so many other great people that I've met via this relationship. Well, finally, um, Steve, I, I wanted to, you are a runner yourself, OG pacer, um, and I wanted to ask all our guests today, kind of best and worst, or best or worst, one or the other, or both, marathon stories. Give yeah. me, give me one or no, two. So this is a good one because you are a part of this. Nice. Um, I like it when it's about me. If you listen I, to the I show, hope it's people the worst like to know that. Yeah, yeah. 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 It hope is. it's the yes. worst. Good. 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 So, 2004 is my first year at Brooks. Three months after that, right out of college, thought, oh, you know, we sponsor the Marine Corps Marathon. We've been a longtime partner there. Um, I wouldn't work that event, but you know, was convinced. To, oh, well, you, why don't you run your first marathon? In, you know, out of college, you're a little. I guess I was just a little naive. Sure. Um, so I, but it turns out I paired, I ended up meeting you via Craig mm-hmm. Vanderhoff was yep. working at Brooks at the time. And we thought, oh, we're all running a similar pace. Let's go out and r- run together. Well, that was, I don't know if you know, the hottest day in the history of the Marine Corps Marathon. It was history of the world, actually. It was, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was mid to upper 80s, my first marathon. So I went out and ran with you. And I, I'll never forget this. I was running with you and Craig. And there was a couple, of, I remember there was a couple of, uh, Mexican nationalist yep. guys that were racing. Yep. Well, at seven miles, the plan was to go through half at a certain pace. Seven miles, they took off. Well, guess who went with them? You did. <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> you yep. took off. And I then was... Craig took off after you. Yep. And then, so the plan that we had all agreed to, that was out the door. So everyone took off. And then I remember, I think, two-thirds of the way, passing Craig, maybe even passing you. And you did. I, oh, yeah, you did. I looked at the results yesterday. No, you no, did, yeah. No, you beat me because at yeah. 19 miles, I... Oh, that's I right. Yes. Died. Yep. I was walking sideways. Um, I think I did one of those walk to that post, crawl to that post, right. jog that post, the last 10K. And I remember telling myself clearly, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I'll never do this again. I think I've done 16 marathons since then. <laughs> so <laughs> safe to say your right. first marathon experience wasn't quite as successful as Adam's first marathon experience. That's <laughs> Adam's story. I don't know. Like, I don't, if anyone's run a marathon, that right. just doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. happen. I mean, I, I like. Yeah. And, and Steve and is an accomplished marathoner. Well, and, and yeah. with how casual yeah. he was about the idea I that I might, it just yeah. doesn't happen. So, yeah, good for him, though. <laughs> awesome. All right, Steve. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Thank you to you and your team and everybody here at Brooks who's been such a great partner and having us on stage. Steve DeCoker, Brooks you. Running, thank you very much. Fantastic stuff. Um, we're good on time and move, moving along. Um, we, we're, I'm really excited about our, our, our next guest. And I was just talking to Steve about um, how hot it was at the Marine Corps Marathon Day. Yeah, um, we were here. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah you, you were here. You were, we just heard that. I was talking. You guys were, yeah, Listen. I was talking too much. Okay. But uh, our next guest was um, also at a Pacer. Well, the Marine Corps Marathon is an event, but he was at a Pacers event that also was probably one of the hottest days in the world, too. So let's, uh, let's start the interview talking to him about that. All right, let's bring in... 2008 Olympian Brian Sell, up next on the stage. Man, we're doing a great job of advocating for the city of Washington, D.C. I know, we really are, yeah. I mean, we are a it's Washington, really D.C. It's really hot. You guys should come visit. <laughs> All I remember is that green screen we had behind us of uh, yes. President Lincoln picking his nose or something. That yes, we yes. Did. We, did, we did an interview with Brian. And, uh, all right, we'll start there. So, so Brian, uh, everybody knows Brian, so there's not much introduction needed. Uh, 2008 Olympian, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your 2004 Olympic trials. Give some folks some advice on what to do and what not to do. Uh, before we get to that, though, um, 
2010, um, he came to our race in Crystal City, the Crystal City 5K, again, making it about us, and very nice Brooks event. We did an interview. Yeah, there was a green screen there. This was a, f a former iteration of Pace the Nation podcast. Uh, super hot, but uh, what I most remember about that day was that we had, uh, we did the race, and a bigger part of the race wasn't who won the race, but who grew the best Brian Sell handlebar mustache. Um, and I wanted to show you some pictures, and we, you, you can um, see the pictures at Pace the Nation. We just uh, tweeted those out, but, um, you know, you had a pretty good handlebar mustache, but I have to say, like, mine was, was, was pretty good. Um, you can see there, see, look at that. That was me and you, 2010. Um, I mean, that's a pretty good handlebar mustache. You're, you're blonde. You can't really bad. tell, you know. But, but the guy... Your, yours um, was grown for like a month, though, and I think it, mine was two days. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> probably true. All the uh, but our, our ultimate winner was this, this kid, Reinhard Harrison. I don't I know. I remember that. He, this, kid was, he was this kid who, again, you can look at the picture of Reinhardt at, uh, at Pace the Nation on Twitter. Uh, I think he was probably eight years old at the time, or maybe maybe younger. Um, and you were his idol, so he cut some hair off his head and he t and he taped it to his his, his uh, face to make a handlebar mustache. Reinhardt Harrison just won the state meet in Florida in cross country, um, and he's a sophomore. That's telling us how old we are. But uh, so, anyways, uh, your your idol from from that day, uh, he is is now an accomplished runner. He ran four thirteen in the the sixteen hundred, and he, they moved to Florida. Anyways, great 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 kid. Um, but uh, anyway, so that was just a side story. Uh, the mustache contest. Uh, did you? Were, were you like, I know back in the old, earlier days, 70s and 80s, like the mustache was a thing. Would you say you're the one who brought the mustache back to running in the 2000s? Could you take claim to that? Well, I got to give all the credit to Hulk Hogan, actually. <laughs> uh, but no, the, the mustache kind of came from, uh, from, from my college days at St. Francis. We raced a lot of uh, Ivy League schools out there, and... Um, we didn't even have matching warm-ups and uniforms uh, at St. Francis often, and uh, so we decided to kind of go the opposite end of the spectrum, kind of kind of be as filthy as we possibly could. So <laughs> uh, it was kind of a game on our college team to see who could grow the the the, the worst possible facial hair and look uh, look the dirtiest on the starting line, uh, kind of as a uh, you know a little bit of a. Uh, uh, rage against the machine type of thing there, you know, and, and uh, th that's where that came from. Well, it was a, it was a signature look, and, and everybody remembers it, and everybody remembers you from probably the 2004 uh, Olympic trials where I felt like that was the, the year that, that Brooks really was on the scene. You were with the Hansons. Um, it was in Birmingham. Uh, take us take us back there. Uh, what an amazing, gutsy race you ran. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was great to have Brooks come on board right at that right at that moment. It was exactly what we needed, I think, and it really made us feel like uh, a legitimate running team at that point. Uh, they they stepped in right before the trials, and we all had, uh, you know, we were all uh, had had matching gear and looked, you know, looked the part finally, and um, we all felt like a, a real team. Um, going into that race it was my second marathon of for, uh, ever. Uh, I qualified at Chicago the year before, and um, you know. Going in, we, we had uh, six or seven guys that were that had a legit shot of maybe making the top ten or so. Um, and it was a really windy day in Birmingham, and uh, we had a game plan to kind of stick together and uh, try to try to pace each other through, um, my, my Hanson Brooks uh, teammates and I. And uh, the morning we woke up, it was about 
20, 30 mile an hour headwind for the first eight miles into Birmingham. And um, we, we went out, the first two miles were really slow, 5.30 pace or so. And, and I kind of just made the decision to, to take over at that point and see what I could do. And I ended up leading for uh, 22 miles of the race. But, uh, you know, being my second marathon, it was, uh, it was kind of a, uh, a learning experience for me. I got so excited that I was leading the race, this, the biggest race of my life. I completely uh, ignored my Gatorade bottles and so forth, uh, you know, six, eight miles in till, till 22 and hit the wall pretty hard. Uh, I don't really remember much about the race, actually. I remember waking up in the medical tent uh, afterward, um, kind of blacked out and, and stumbled my way in. Uh, actually, one of the guys in the race, Kevin Collins, helped me across the finish line. I remember that much of it. But, uh, you know, it, it seemed like a bad experience at the time, but it really lit a, a fire under my rear end for the, for the next four years. And a big part of why I made the team in so you don't regret. So you don't regret what you did in 2004? Because a lot of people at the time said you would have made the team had you not made this incredible move and run by yourself in the wind for all those miles. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think a lot of times we can learn a lot from our failures. You know, what, what might be perceived as a failure can, can really uh, uh, teach us a lot and provide us a lot of motivation for the next time. So uh, I wouldn't change a thing. So that race, you were 12th or 13th? I was 12th. Uh, drug uh, disqualifications right. have bumped it up a little bit since then. So, so, yeah, so, so you end up being being 11th or you were in? I think 11th, 11th uh, officially place. right okay. now, yeah. Um, and your teammates, your Brooks teammates, were 4th and 5th uh, in the race. It was, it was Trent Briney was 4th, and then Clint, was, Clint Ver Vernon was 5th. Was I mean, did you feel like... Uh, disappointed that you weren't with them or did you feel like wow we're on the scene now because we can compete with with the best we're not on the olympic team but we're right there absolutely I, I was i was so happy for those guys because we're out there suffering you know i mean anybody that has a running partner out there knows exactly what it's like you're out there suffering with them through the snow and the rain and the wind and you know cold and hot and so forth so you're always cheering for the people that uh, that got you to, to where you are and uh, you know they're cheering for for you uh, vice versa so uh, absolutely a great a uh, great moment in Hanson history. It kind of put us on the map. You know, we started seeing ourselves on the covers of magazines and stuff like that. It was, it was really cool. So that obviously gave you confidence um, or lit the fire on your butt, like you said, uh, for 2008. And I felt like a lot of pressure for you um, because this was, you know, this was going to be your best shot. And you, you took, a, a, took, took a big swing in 2004 uh, and didn't make the team. But... Um, Tell us about the 2008 uh, trials experience. 2004 was, was, was great. You know, I, I figured in the back of my mind, I lead for 22, 22 miles. That's a, a huge percentage of the race. I think, you know, 2008, I got a, a pretty easy shot. And uh, between 2004 and 2008, a lot of guys ran really fast. I right. mean, Ryan Hall, Khalid Kanuchi, Alan Culpepper, I mean, uh, Meb, you know, won a medal. Uh, at the Olympics, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of guys that really uh, came on the scene and, and started running really fast. So uh, going into 2008, you know, nothing was a guarantee, um, but I had definitely trained the best that I possibly could have in the four years leading up to it. And I was pretty confident. And, uh, you know, things worked out perfectly for me that, that day. Yeah, so that was in New York City. Um, was that a tough place to run? I mean, is that can you compare that to what these guys are going to see out there, these men and women are going to see out there tomorrow? Absolutely. Central Park is very, uh, very up and down, and it's, it's, it's really similar to we ran uh, eight miles or so today out. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if we were on the course or not, but there certainly wasn't any, any flat sections in Atlanta. So 
It's going to be a great race tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I really appreciate Brooks, you know, bringing me into town to, to, to watch it and to experience all this. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to a good one tomorrow. And it's going to be a tough one. So I want to talk a little bit about Beijing. But before you mentioned Brooks, like, tell me, uh, you know, tell me what your, their support meant to you and still means to you. It, it means everything. I mean, they, they still... Uh, they still hook me up with shoes, you know, every year. Nice. And uh, I, I look at myself like I'm like the, the Honda Civic with 380,000 miles on right now. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm still able to go out and run. I ran, I ran eight miles with my buddies uh, today in Atlanta on the cement. And uh, I can still stand up. I was able to come up here and sit on the, uh, sit on the, the stool. So that, that's saying something for their product, you know. They're, uh, they're, they're doing good stuff. Honda Civic. That's good, man. Uh, I like that. Uh, so Beijing. You're in Beijing, and, you know, the goal was obviously to make the marathon, but you weren't satisfied. You really represented well. Tell us about that experience. Well, Beijing was amazing. I got to room with, with Dathan, Dathan Ritzenhain right, right behind me. I actually seen him with, uh, with less clothes on than he has in that picture <laughs> even, uh, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, no, it, it was a great experience. I'd say probably the, the best story that I can tell you from Beijing is um, – uh, in the Olympics, they had a, a cafeteria with, with every kind of food you could imagine. Every country was represented. You could go in and get whatever you wanted. They had American, Italian, whatever. And at the end, they had all-you-could-eat McDonald's. McDonald's was a sponsor of the Olympics. And I swear to God, the night that Usain Bolt set the world record in the 100-meter dash, he had a plate of chicken McNuggets the size <laughs> of a bowling ball and went out and set the, uh, set the, marath- or set the, uh, the 100-meter world record. And, and Ritz and I are kind of looking at each other like, you know, we're, we're eating we're eating lettuce and pasta. Right, and, not you know, fair. Go, going out for our six miler, and this guy's going you know coming and eat whatever he wants. So, but uh, yeah, it was just a great experience. I mean, the the the, the country just went all out for us, and uh, you know, the course was amazing. The history there of Tiananmen Square and and everything was was just uh, was just phenomenal. And I'm I'm really I'm really blessed, and I'm so thankful that I got to experience it. What place did you end up in Beijing? Uh, again, I was 21st, wow. but uh, moving up. Nice. Uh, so you know, still moving. Up. Uh, <laughs> 16, Still 17 more, I might be able to retire. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> we might be talking to a medalist. All right, guys. It's incredible. Time will tell. Um, um, so you mentioned that you're still running today, man. That's, that's awesome. Eight miles today. So you're still getting after t- Catch us up. Like, what is – someone was asking me today, what's Brian Sell up to? Is he running? He's a master's now. Is he competing? Is he, you know, what's his job? What's he do? What is Brian Sell doing? I'm trying to keep this in check right here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Uh, no, I'm really lucky to have a group of guys to run with where I live now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like a continuation of the Hansons. I mean, you know, obviously not the, the, the competitive level that, uh, that I was, but it, it's, it's really important to have a group um, to, to help get you out the door every day. And, and you know, I thank, uh, thank God every day that I have guys to, you know, to help get me out there. And I really, I really still enjoy it. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, love, I love getting out there. I love, uh, you know, the days when there's two inches of snow on the ground and it just feels so soft. And I love the, the, the super hot days where you feel like you sweat off 20 pounds. And uh, th- there's just nothing better than, than getting out for a good run. So where do you live and what do you do? I live in uh, uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Okay. Lidditz actually is the, the name of the, the town that I live in now. And I'm a uh, scientist for GlaxoSmithKline in the vaccines division now. So. Wow. I don't have anything for that. You guys, <laughs> scientists for class. Yeah, I, I love like my pay grade. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a great job, you know, and, and I feel like running for 10 years is almost like a little midlife crisis insurance because uh, there are people that I work with that are ready to retire right now at, you know, 42, and I, I'm like, let's go. Let's You're get some stuff done. So, yeah. It's awesome. 
All right, Brian, so you're going to be here this weekend. You're just hanging out watching the race. You're going to be here uh, hanging out at the Hyperion House. And, yes, and sir. Yeah. 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 All yeah. right, so definitely uh, for everybody, you definitely want to catch up with Brian Sell. He's got some great stories and a great ambassador for the sport. You did amazing stuff. Congratulations on all your success for that. Thanks. And man, thank you so much for, yeah, for joining us. thanks for having us. me. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Brian Sell, 2008 Olympian. Nice job, buddy. Uh, he joined us on Pace the Nation. Um, awesome story uh, from 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 Cell. Um, I I feel like I'm dominating and talking. I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm so it, this feels very normal sorry. right now. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I mean, can you? Side do you have status. anything from the London Side. Olympics? No, chicken I got nuggets, nothing. I got nothing, nothing to talk about. I mean, can you? <laughs> was Bolt in the London Olympics too? Or yeah, he was he also was, yeah. there. Yeah. Did you, you see him? Yeah. Yeah. Chicken oh, nuggets. Connected. No. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, we're gonna get our uh, co-hosts involved uh, with the next guest. Uh, excited to be joined next by uh, Jacksonville ambassador and runner and coach uh, Julie Stackhouse. Julie's here, and she's gonna join us here on stage. So. Julie is a, uh, welcome, Julie, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Chris. How Thank you? you so much for joining us. Julie is a, um, she's an ambassador. Julie and Julie. D Julie and Julie here. You're, you're an, uh, tell us what you are for, for Brooks, an ambassador for Brooks, right? Yeah, I've been an ambassador for several years now, and uh, I coached collegiately um, for, for a decade all over the country, um, so I look forward to talking coaching later, Julie. Um, but I have just been so lucky, Chris, to just uh, to follow up on what Brian said, to be able to provide those group opportunities for people. Um, specifically now in Jacksonville, Florida, we have an amazing running community there. And uh, thanks to Doug and Jane Allred, who are actually here today, First Place Sports. And every weekend we have races that people can train for. And uh, actually next week we have our, our largest race of the year, the Gate River Run National 15K Championships. And uh, so for people locally, it's just so much fun to be able to have these goals to shoot for. Um, just to, to keep you motivated and training every day. And, and, you know, I've been able to see these amazing friendships forged. And mostly, though, what's really neat for me now is having been a Division One coach for a long time, everything was very results-driven right. then at the time. And now it's very much uh, getting to see, I get to see every day running change people's lives. And that is really, really fun. And so I've just, I just feel really blessed to be able to be with such a great company that, um, you know, I really do get to see people run happy most every day. <laughs> so Julie coaches in Jacksonville area. She's an ambassador for Brooks Coaches. Over 150 uh, athletes in, in Jacksonville. You've really got a cult following. And, and I, I see Doug and Jane there. And you got, you got to thank the uh, local specialty running store for, for some of that cult following, right? Absolutely. When I first moved to Jacksonville, I, I knew one person, and she was a good runner, really good runner in town. And she invited me to the first race, and it, it was a four-mile beach race, and it was in August in Jacksonville, Florida. And I, it was miserable. I did terribly, but I had so much fun, and I met these amazing people, and some of them are still my friends to this day. Um, so just the fact that I get to provide some of those opportunities for people now to meet up. Um, it's really, I, I feel really lucky to get to do that. So you're, you're a runner too, and you've got many stories, but one story I want to, want to focus on is, um, 
your story of kind of running redemption, and you've had some challenges over the past uh, year or so uh, with running because of an incident that happened to you. So take us back to the Donna, Mar- this is the Donna Marathon, uh, Donna Half Marathon, and we're in 2000, and I had to look at my watch to see what year we're in. Uh, so in 2000, Donna Marath- Half Marathon in 2019, which is in Jacksonville. Correct. And uh, that's it. for us, that's a really big race. You know, Gate River Run's probably our largest, but the Donna Marathon Weekend is, is the only um, national marathon to fight breast cancer. I, I do have a personal connection, actually. My mom is a breast cancer survivor. So I've run that race pretty much every year since it started. Um, it's, it's going on its 13th year now. And this year, Chris, was just uh, just uh, mile 12, just a freak um, attack occurred where an unleashed dog was on the course and, um, and took me down. And, um, you know, I really didn't talk about it for a year because I was honestly embarrassed that it happened. You know, I was chasing a podium finish. Um, I had won that race several times before. I, I was running for my mom. I was looking forward to celebrating with her at the finish line and my whole family and all my clients, I, I look forward to you know finishing that race and watching them all come in. And I just had this thing happen at mile 12 where, um, you know, just to be honest, it, it was uh, a fight or flight situation where I was-, was An 80 pound dog coming a, at you. Correct, um, a very aggressive type of dog. And, and it's just, you know, I explain it to people now that, you know, you instantly go from you're in a race, you're competing, you know, you're chasing a, a time, you're trying to close that last mile in six minutes or whatever it is. Um, I was about six seconds out from the next competitor. So, you know, running very aggressively at this point in time and, um, you know, and this, and, and dogs chase runners <laughs> sometimes. And I just never had that happen before. And so I think in a race, especially you, you never think uh, that something like that is going to happen. So, so I ran the last mile in shock. I did finish. Um, but the dog took you down, bit you, broke the skin, like you're yeah. bleeding, you're, I mean, it, it's, it's got to be a really traumatic moment. Yeah, the actual, uh, I, I was fortunate to come away with, with really one main injury, and that was a torn left bicep, uh, because this particular type of dog tends to grab and, and pull you to the ground. So I was very aware of the fact that I needed to, to get off the ground as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, and at this point I was no longer engaged in, in racing. I was just, uh, you know, really focused on getting out of that situation with as minimal injuries as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, um, it, it was definitely by far, you know, talk about, you know, uh, Steve's best and worst marathon moments. That was, that was my worst race moment ever in my Right. Th- 30 years of racing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bad one. Yeah. Um, so, so how did you get out of it? Uh, so actually what, what ended up happening, it was, it was about a 45-second ongoing attack, and um, the dog's owners did end up pulling it, pulling it off of me. Wow. Um, and, I, you know, I think it's one of those situations where imagine being at a spectator at a race, and you're, you're, no one's expecting something like this to happen. So, um, you know, so a few people jumped into action pretty quickly. And, and then actually I had a friend uh, in the race. This was where it was great that I was local who, who ran up to me, you know, kind of grabbed my arm. It was bleeding. I, I was, you know, I was in shock at this point. I was screaming uh, and just trying to exit that area as quickly as possible. Um, kind of backtracking just a little bit, I guess, because it was a local race. I had memorized the course. So I, I just was sort of on autopilot finishing it out. So it's obviously traumatic, and getting back into running was really tough. So it really was. Uh, I think 
what people saw externally was just that I kept running <laughs> and I kept racing, you know, like a month later was the Gate River Run, which is my favorite race. Uh, and so I think they just saw that I kept getting back out there. You know, I, I borrowed Des Linden's mantra of just keep showing up. And that was literally what I would write in my training journal every day, like just keep sh showing up, you know, left foot, right foot. <laughs> and, um, you know, some days that looked like, uh, you know, not a, not a very good run, you know. Um, but that's where I was fortunate to have this amazing running community where I was petrified to run alone, uh, but I didn't have to. I had people who would run with me daily. I had these groups, you know, I had people get out and ride a bike with me. Um, but that's really what it took. It, it took so many days where, you know, I didn't know then what, what running happy looked like. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that on the way over here today that sometimes that doesn't mean that you feel awesome every day. Um, you know, those days sometimes are few and far between. But running happy is also in that struggle of the strength that comes out of it too and the growth that happens from, you know, doing something that you weren't really sure for what you could do. And so for me this past year, um, being able to think about running that race again and lining, lining up and doing that race again, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what drove me every day and, and having these amazing people to run with um, to keep showing up for. Yeah, and the, like you said, the race was, was meaningful to you, so you did the race again in 2020. Um, tell us that experience. I mean, were you, were you traumatized when you went by the same spot where the dog attacked you? Yeah, so actually, so I was, I was in therapy for a year, uh, both physical therapy and, and then I, you know, had a lot of therapy as far as being able to visualize myself um, rounding that corner and having a successful race experience, you know, not being attacked. Right. And uh, I actually had, because I couldn't visualize what the last mile of that course looked like from last year, I, I sort of had this block where I just couldn't, s I, I could get myself to mile 12 in my mind and I just didn't know how I was going to finish the race. And so the last thing I wanted to do was line up and, and not finish. <laughs> and I have, have all these people who are out there, you know, for me. And so, um, so I, I practiced it with a team member earlier in the week. Um, they got on their bike with me and, and we went through that section six times. Uh, the first time I did it, I, I, I couldn't breathe. It was sort of like everything from last year came back. And then, um, you know, by the sixth time, you know, we were, we were like, okay, it's still going to be hard, but, but I could do it. Um, but lining up to race, you know, again, this is just where community is, is so important and where I've really had to learn this year that sometimes running does mean being vulnerable, you know, and I think um, sometimes we don't think that's, that's a positive trait in the sport when you're trying to achieve things you've never done before. But I had to learn that being vulnerable to, you know, the athletes that I coach, um, my coach, other people that inspire you every day, athletes on social media, Des Linden, you know, um, just looking at what they're able to do and overcome and, and realizing that whatever that is in your life that's really hard, um, that's what I've learned is that we all come to the sport with, with something that might be hard that we're working through. And, you know, whatever that is, that's what I wanted to line up and hopefully inspire people that I could look my fear directly in the face and run through that corner again. It's such a story of inspiration, right? And all these moments that we gather from our experiences are what make the next experience like so exciting and so memorable and meaningful. And it's also a reminder to so many of us who are thinking about the runners who are getting ready for tomorrow, right? That their buildups more than likely haven't been perfect, um, that there's a lot of things that stand in their way of success, but as they're continuing to get ready, that they kind of own their story. And this is now part of your story. 
Absolutely. And, you know, just being here this weekend, the race hasn't even happened yet, but, um, you know, getting to meet uh, so many amazing people behind this brand specifically. And then tomorrow, the athletes, uh, all the Brooks athletes, and then just to to witness history that, I mean, we sat in on a women's running panel last night, but but for women's running, this is incredible what's happening tomorrow. So to be able to get to see all this firsthand and, um, you know, it's just, I'm finding inspiration. I'm remembering why it is that, that I want to continue to lace up my shoes and get out there every day. So you're, you're, you're coaching all these people, but you're also a 253 marathoner. Um, didn't make it this year, but can we, can we see Julie Stackhouse out there in 2024? You know, it's I, I'm 41, so I <laughs> I I feel like this sport has been very good to me for a very long time. Um, but I didn't start in distance running. I started right. in sprints and hurdles and the heptathlon in college. So so distance running years wise, I'm I'm getting up there, but not not as high maybe as my actual age. Um, but what I will say is that I had the goal of trying to qualify to be here this weekend, and that goal, although I didn't hit it, got me out the door every single day last year on the days that I didn't feel like it. And so even though I fell short of that goal and people thought I was going to be disappointed that I didn't get it, it really literally taught me so much about myself and who I am and what I believe in as a coach. And um, hopefully that's something that I can pass down to my athletes too. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> All right, Julie. Well, thank you so much. Julie Stack, uh, there was a story on Runner's World. Check out that story on Runner's World. Inspiring story of redemption. You're back running, and you are uh, out there killing it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Me. Julie Stackhouse joined us here on Pace the Nation. Uh, we're flying through the guests, um, and um, we are saving the best for last. So, um I want you guys to be on your best behavior here. We'll try. Yeah, because have I been uh, behaving poorly so far? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, we we've got um, the very very important person who's who helps make all this stuff possible. Uh, so next up, let's bring in Jim Weber, CEO of Brooks Running. What a thrill, Jim! Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun to be here. Well, thank you no, so now much. Now we're getting nervous. Okay, here yeah, we go. I know. I want to hear <laughs> from the whole <laughs> panel. <laughs> no, 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 I know. I agree. I agree. Um, well, well, Jim, uh, thank you for, for helping put all this or, or making all this possible. Obviously, um, you know, running at this level is you, you've made it clear that it's important to you with your commitment to being here and all that stuff. I, I was I was checking out, you know, in Brian's uh 2004 uh, Olympic trials experience, I feel like there was about, you know, a dozen or so Hanson athletes who were lining up on that race, uh, and they had it at the time in Birmingham for the men, and, and in St. Louis, uh, I believe, was, was for the women. I may be getting that wrong, but in 2004, you had about 12 athletes um, uh, competing to, for, to uh, try to get a spot on the Olympic team. This year, you've got over 70 athletes. I mean, talk about your growth and how, I mean, how big you guys have gotten in this elite running world. You know, I think um, I joined the company in 2001 and, and we signed the agreement with the Hanson's Original Distance Project in 2003. And it really was our investment back into the sport. Brooks has been around now over 105 years, but we had kind of left the sport in the 90s. And when we began to focus exclusively on run, which we've always been in run, an investment in the sport was part of that. So spikes came and uniforms and singlets and the kits and so on and so forth. 
and then the Hansons program came. So, so I think, you know, for us, um, there was a selfish aspect to it. It's made us a better company. It's impacted our culture. It's influenced our product development teams. It's inspired us, you know, and so first and foremost, I think it was about being close to the sport and being in tune with, with you know, what was happening in the core and the soul of running. And so for that, to see that grow and to be part of that, you know, this weekend is incredible, right? Um, seven, 800 plus athletes running in the trials tomorrow. This is like the Disneyland for running for the United States. And it, it's, it's inspiring. And I think the other, the other part of uh, what's so critical about professional athletes is they inspire young people. That's so much of what it's about, right? If we want running to be shared by the next generation coming up, these athletes are inspiring, you know, grade school, middle school, high school kids to really jump into cross country, jump into track and field, and, and have running become part of their lives. And, and that's what this is all about for me. It, it just inspires so many people. And, and you really do talk the talk and walk the walk. I feel like at all these big events like this, you don't need to be here. I don't know what your job is for this weekend, but you probably don't need to be. I have nothing to do. I have nothing to do. But you are here, and you're always here at this event, at these type of events. Why are these events so important to you personally to be here? You know, I, I love to be here. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, we're all busy. There's a lot going on, and I think in the business world, um, there's, never, there's never a to-do list that gets completely checked off. So, you know, but we bring our, our team here, and we learn a lot here. There's no question about it. I mean, we're in tune with the sport. We're meeting with a lot of retail partners. We're meeting a lot with a lot of ambassadors and, and coaches and people that are working in this sport day in, day out. And so it's a chance for us to connect, connect in and, and, and really get a sense for what's happening and what's on their minds and what they're thinking. So, and then... We're going to be out there cheering tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. We are going to be out there with signs and yelling loudly as uh, the athletes go by. And, and, you know, what's more fun than watching the sport? It's awesome. So we, we heard from one, one of the athletes, Adam, who's going to be competing, one of the former athletes, uh, uh, Brian Sell. Um, one of your athletes that has been most impactful to your brand, to, to the sport of running, um, was, was Gabe Grunwald. And I just wanted to bring her up. Um, you know, she passed away, I believe, this, this past year. And talk to me about her impact on you and Brooks. You know, Gabe was amazing. We're fellow gophers. I went oh, to the right University on. of Minnesota as well. And, uh, you know, she was a, a gritty competitor on the track. Everyone knows that, right? She competed hard. And I think when she got cancer and started down that journey, nothing changed. It was just so impressive and so inspiring in so many ways she attacked that battle with cancer just like she ran and every day um it was it was chin up and and attack it and you know good days bad days but it was just so inspiring to watch her battle through that and not only for herself you know but for everyone around her she just became an even bigger ambassador for the sport an even bigger ambassador about how to live your life and and just the grit um, that she had to her core um, and, and, and her generosity and willingness to share that battle, you know, with everyone around her. So talk about an inspiration in life. She was incredible, just yeah. incredible. Gabe was uh, a friend and um, she was my roommate uh, multiple summers overseas and I got to know her when she first signed with Brooks. And um, what an incredible human, um, but what an incredible spirit. And I think that that's what you're kind of speaking to, but um, long before the, the, the last bout of cancer that she um, underwent um, or was faced with, 
Gabe was um, kind of always attacking um, in a different way, and her spirit was just different. If you competed against her, like you talked about, um, she was scrappy. Um, she was going to do it her way, and she was relentless. She had an incredible amount of heart, and I always thought to myself, what an amazing ambassador of Brooks. Um, even before, you know, the last couple of years because she was someone who was doing it differently. And um, can you speak a little bit about, like, how your athletes really represent um, the brand and how much it's changed over the last couple of years? You know, I think one, one of the things that um, has been part of uh, the way we've approached the sport is we don't have massive budgets with hundreds and hundreds of athletes. We have very focused programs. Obviously, our Brooks Priest and the Hansons program are teams. And then we've looked for unique individuals like Gabe, like Scott Jurek, Des Linden now, that, that really um, we've called them mavericks in a way because there are their own people. And, and I think we've celebrated that. You know, the most exciting thing for us is when their personality, their spirit comes out um, and people get to know them. I, I think that's what's powerful there. So, you know, we, uh, we're just proud to partner with people that have something to teach and, uh, and inspire others. And so, you know, it's great to, to win a lot of races. We'd love to have a stable of athletes that do nothing but win races, but how they carry themselves and, and what they have to teach um, all of us is as important. Um, switching gears a little bit, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, you've got a lot of athletes here, you've got a lot of especially run accounts here, and um, our, our, our audience who's listening all over, um, you know, I, I, whether they know it or not, you guys are run, and your singular focus is run. Um, tell us from your from your view why it's just run, why the singular focus continues to be just run. You know, I think um, life is short, and and if you want to be, if you want to excel at something, I think you need to focus. And so, when I came to Brooks in two thousand one, we found ourselves sort of sixth, seventh, or eighth at everything we did. Every category from court shoes, basketball shoes, running, et cetera. We just, we just were a, a small, genuine, 100-year-old almost athletic brand, but we were competing with really, really strong brands, so we decided to focus. And I think it's like a lot of things, you know, if you want to really be the best at something, um, I think it takes incredible focus. And we're playing a big game. Yeah. We, we compete against some of the greatest brands in the world literally the greatest brands in the world so so you know we uh from the get-go decided that we're going to focus on run and we're going to try to be the best at it we're going to try to build the best products we're going to try to connect with the best retailers we're going to try to do this day in day out at the highest level that we can and uh you know it's it's sort of like asking one of our competitors tomorrow in the trials after they've run the marathon if next year they want to go out and try to be a D1 basketball player. <laughs> right, you know, right, you just, right. it, it, it takes so much focus to be the best at something. Right. And that's the journey that we're on, and, and it's, it's really fun. And, and you guys are, are all about the people. You're a people company. Um, talk about some of your people. I know some of the, the, the people, you know, Steve was up here. He's been with the company for 16 years. The journey of some of your employees from, you know, tech reps to, you know, your trusted, like, top management team is unbelievable. You know, I think um, I say this often, but business is a team sport. It really is. I mean, to execute well, and we're, we're in a global category. So we have to compete globally as a small company. We're a small global company. So to do that well, we've got to be one connected team, literally from finance through sales, marketing, product, operations, sourcing, everything. And so to stay on one page, you know, we really have to play one playbook. And, 
And so what's fun about it, and, and like running, you know, it's a lot of effort, and, th and then you get to race, and you want to celebrate afterwards, and you have to enjoy the journey. So we're a work-hard, play-hard company, I would say, but, you know, I think we want to enjoy the journey that we're on. And, and sometimes we succeed, sometimes we struggle, but we're never going to quit, ever, ever, ever. You know, we will never quit, and we just, we're going to get up the next day and, and run again. And so I think it's, we've drawn a lot of people into our company uh, that love that journey. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, you got some, some great folks, some, some of our be best, best friends through uh, your company. Um, your product is not too bad either. Uh, it's the best in our space and has continued to dominate our space. Um, the footwear is unbelievable. We heard from Carson today, from the, the specially run uh, folks heard from Carson today. Um, from your perspective, tell us about the shoes you're wearing, these, these awesome new, I, I think they're out tomorrow maybe, the, the Hyperion Tempo, and then we've got the Hyperion uh, Elite that, that you'll have some athletes running in tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think you know, product is, is our number one expression point with new runners, somebody that tries our brand, the product experience is first and foremost. So we are busting our tail to put the best product out there season after season. I think our stuff has gotten better every season. Today, um, our, we, we've evolved fast with the rapidly changing technology in racing. Our Hyperion one was launched um, this week, but we're, we've uh, also described the Hyperion two, that's a recent evolution that we had to squeeze in with all the new rules. Um, and it's got this new uh, nitrogen-infused foam with a carbon plate, and we just think it's going to be a phenomenal shoe. So our, our, we've got about 10 athletes on that shoe tomorrow, and we think wow. they're going to they're gonna enjoy that and do well on it. You know, I think the propulsion side of things and what's happening in racing shoes is great. We've also brought our run signature uh, philosophies and geometries in, so I think we're going to have more stability in our shoes in that last 6 to 10 miles. And, and we'll see how our athletes respond, but um, we think we've got fantastic product on the athletes tomorrow. So, so Des won the, the Boston Marathon in 2018, I believe, and she was wearing that black mystery shoe. Can we, can, a, a lot of listeners ask us, what was that, can, can, can you tell us what those, that shoe was? Was that what she'll be racing in tomorrow? That shoe is the Hyperion One, uh, essentially, we that we just okay. launched, and it's evolved a bit. Okay. You know, I think the big change now, and, and this is going to be interesting, athletes will no longer be on prototypes, right? right? They have to be finished products. And in a lot of categories, that's the case. So a lot of athletes like to test, 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 test. Prototypes are over. Yep. Des was on an early prototype of the Hyperion One in Boston in 18, and that's evolved, and, and you know, a lot of our athletes will be on that. Des will be on the Hyperion Two tomorrow. Fantastic. Well, we can't wait to watch her and uh, the rest of the athletes run out there. It's going to be an awesome day. Um, so I, I want to kind of kind of wind down the interview with with your running. So uh, we ask uh, some of our our, our uh, guests here their best and worst uh, marathon stories. You're a marathoner. Give us a best or worst marathon story. Or well, first of all, I'm really old and slow. <laughs> I'm celebrating. I turned 60 this year. I never thought I'd do all that. Right, give but, it up for that. But I'm owning it. I'm owning it. Yep. So um, I, uh, for, for 30 plus years, I've loved to run. It just became my thing. And I ran three, I went in the Twin Cities Marathon three times in my younger days and right around the 330 range and, and loved it. And I didn't train. I ran always by myself. I didn't really know what I was doing, so I had great 20-mile runs and then struggled for the last six in every one of those. So um, that's been a lot of fun. Lately, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little injured. I, I right. joined the cancer club about yes. two years ago and went through all that treatment and surgery. I had some complications and had some more surgery, so right now I'm not running. 
But I'm looking forward to getting healthy this year and uh, and seeing what I got left in the tank. Probably and not a marathon. It, well, you are doing well, though. You said earlier today you're doing yeah, well. Things are so great. Yeah, I'm I'm on the I'm on the recovery uh, mode, and I think the cancer's gone. That's huge. Fantastic. And so I'm working under that assumption. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I uh, I hope to reclaim my trophy as the slowest runner at Brooks. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> All right, Jim. Well, uh, last thing for you. you. Got any predictions for tomorrow? Men's, women's side, and I, I don't think that's a question I email. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. You got any predictions for the race tomorrow? You know, I I really don't. I mean, I I'm excited because uh, you know it's about PRs, right? You want people to run their best race yep. tomorrow, and and if and if our team does, I hope we've we've got some folks on the podium. Obviously, we wanna we wanna see some of our teammates on the Olympic team, but. Uh, I just hope everybody runs their absolute best race tomorrow. We'd love to see that in our gear and our new shoes. We'd love to see PRs for everyone that's yep. running in our shoes tomorrow. All right. I love it. The great That'll answer. That'll be a statement. The great answer. All right, Jim, thank you so much for your time. Jim Weber, CEO of Brooks, thank you so much. He, he joined us on Pace the Nation. Uh, fantastic stuff. Um, one of my favorite shows, amazing job to the five guests. Really appreciate the audience here being engaged. Um, again, we are Pace the Nation. We try to tell runner's story. We're about 200 and some odd episodes in, and I think we have um, a, a number of, of, of great episodes to go back to, to listen to on runner's story. So I hope that you might listen to some of the old ones and definitely listen to our, our, our content moving forward. Um, to close here, Docs, um, I'm, I'm sorry, we got to bring you in here. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's I, our turn. Yeah. It's our turn. Let's go. We're, we're, gonna, we're the, just going to It's the Docs and clo Julie show. close out real quick. Uh, Julie, first of all, thank you for um, making the time to be here. I know you. She's got Big East to coach on Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, yeah. yeah. So the balance between being a director of track and field and um, the wife of a running store owner is, is a lot. Yeah, but, especially um, this one. It was awesome to have the opportunity to, to be here today. Uh, flying back to Georgetown tomorrow night for the uh, Georgetown Athletic Hall of Fame, and then we start Big East on, on Sunday. So just a different part of the sport, right? We're, we're all celebrating in different ways this weekend. And, and a connection to Georgetown, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. So um, big shout-out to um, Rich Kana, who's the race director of um, the Olympic trials here. And yeah. the Atlantic Track Club, who has put on this um, entire amazing event. Um, Rich is a Georgetown alum, yep. Olympian. Um, so looking forward to a, uh, a great experience um, from him and his team tomorrow. All right, Docs, any final thoughts for you as we close out here at the Olympic Trials? Well, Chris, you put uh, Jim on the spot I did. with uh, a marathon prediction that's tomorrow, right. the let's team predictions. Let's do some predictions. What's your predictions for tomorrow? All right. Yeah, that's good. Let's, let's close out with this prediction. That's a great call. All right, so uh, on, the, on the men's side, mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have uh, Jared Ward, Okay. I believe Galen Rupp, and Shadrick. Okay. Maybe my, my top three. And on the women? Women's side, uh, I believe it's going to be Emily Sisson. Okay. Molly Huddle and Des Linden. All right. Yep. Yep. All right. Who who do you who do you got? Um, I think you just actually stole everything I said to you earlier <laughs> when we talked about this. You're like, oh wait, Never I forgot. Shocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say that person. Never yeah. do so a pre-production meeting with yeah. Farley because no. he steals your questions. I do. And steals your, your ideas. Answers. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. All right. So she's got the same. What do you got? Um, on the women's side, I have 
Des Linden as well. Mm-hmm. She okay. was on episode 176. Thank I should you. preface this. I, I favoritism to anybody who's been on the show before. Yes. <laughs> uh, Molly Huddle, she was on 202 yep. and 29. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think third place is going to be a tie. Yes. Uh, with a couple of dark horses. Bethany, Lee, Bethany Sacklaben. Sack yep. She was on 183. And uh, <laughs> Kira D'Amato, she was on 150. Okay. There we go. <laughs> and, and they're okay. all going to make the team. That's good. I think on the, the men's side, I, I agree with you with uh, Jared Ward, episode 194. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Shadrick, I actually have him picked. Uh, he's going to be on a future episode, I guess. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we haven't had him we yet. We need to make that happen. And uh, I think Emily Sisson is going to sneak in. Oh, on the, okay. On the, on, the, yeah. on the men's side as well. I just want to pick her as <laughs> well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a, a real thrill. Um, I, I really appreciate uh, Steve and, and everybody from Brooks uh, giving us the opportunity to, to be here. Um, everybody from Brooks, thank you. It's been, been a real thrill for our, our podcast. It's, it's Pace the Nation. We're at Pace the Nation on Twitter, at Pace the Nation um, on Instagram. Give us a follow. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on all the, uh, all the places that Docs gets us. So, uh uh, thank you, guys. Any any final final thoughts? Any Julie, you have any advice for the runners? Yes, you've oh, you've been yeah. here before. Yeah, <coughs> I've not been. I've never run a marathon before, right. though. But but what? But yeah, I've been in the trials. But she was in the Olympic. I've been like, to a couple Olympic trials. Olympic trials before um, you made your Olympic team. Yeah, any. I made the Olympic team in 2012 in the 5,000 meters. So tracks a little bit different. Um, but my advice uh, for the runners that are heading out there tomorrow. Um, I think the hardest part, especially with the influx of social media, is um, getting kind of overwhelmed by the amount of information that we see from other runners. Um, We start to get intimidated by different workouts and different things that people have done. And I think the most awesome part about standing on the starting line tomorrow as an individual um, who's probably part of a greater team is that your story is your story, right? We touched upon that a little bit before, but... Um, everything that's led to this point is the reason why you, you will or won't have a great day tomorrow. Um, so embracing that all of the ups and downs, the injuries, um, any of the setbacks, the good moments, the tears, um, it's all part of it. Um, so you can either use that to your advantage or use it to, um, to really feel that you aren't at your best. But um, all of that is what makes you as good as you can be on your, on your best day. So I'm looking forward to people just like being out there and, and kind of embracing that whole part of the journey that it's their journey and their journey is the reason that they can have a great moment tomorrow. And, and Julie ran the 5k. So the marathoners tomorrow have to follow Julie's advice eight and yeah. a half times. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, that's all. That's all. Just <laughs> keep she, thinking about that. And she wa- And if you want to hear more of Julie's story, she was on episode before she was a host. Oh, Ju- yeah. Oh yeah. Julie. Actually, Julie's a good example. Anybody who wants to be a co-host on Pace the Nation, you can start out and be a guest. Yeah. Right. And just then keep work showing your way up. up to co-host. Oh, so any of the five people yeah. who show, just showed up, showing up, they got a shot. Yeah, that's okay. what I did. I just kept yeah. showing up. Yeah, so she, her story's they, they couldn't. Get, actually, I just got muscled into it. That's really did, what yeah. happened. All right. <laughs> well, uh, Julie, Docs, all our guests, our audience who stuck with us the entire hour and uh, 20 minutes, it's been a great experience and a big thrill for Pace the Nation. All right, this is episode 200 and... Yep, something. 234. (laughs) Uh, We're signing off for Pace Nation. I'm Chris Farley for Julie Cully and William E. Docs. This is Pace Nation. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 